Hi, I'm Carmen LeBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning. Good morning. It is. Hour two of Mornings with Carmen on this Friday, the 16th of September. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for everyone who participated so faithfully through prayer and through giving, um, through all kinds of support in Faith Radio's fall fundraiser. I mean, I, it's, yeah, I, I don't have words. I mean, the, the, the words I have are thank you and Wow. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, what what a delight to spend time celebrating what God is doing in and through the ministry of Faith Radio and to come alongside one another um, in this mission and ministry. So thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We are back to regular programming today. Um, and that means that, you know, one of the things that you're going to get to listen to um, at 9.30 Central is Focus on the Family. I saw John Fuller yesterday here in the hallway at the University of Northwestern. He's on the board of directors of the university, which is the parent company of Northwestern Media, which, you know, Faith Radio is a part of. And so fun to see John Fuller. And we got to visit a little bit about what's going on at Focus on the Family. As you know, every Friday we talk to Adam Holtz from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. So that's coming up in just a moment. Let's hit a couple of the headlines today. Um, Raymond Dreary, a former federal judge, has been named the special master in the Trump Mar-a-Lago document. I don't even have a word. Probe? Probe. I'll use the word probe. Yeah, it works. I don't know. Carnival. It's a better word. Um, carnival might be a better word. So that's going on. Um, this I found interesting in uh, in the headlines that I surveyed this morning. Maybe something you're not going to hear about, but might be inspiring um, to someone. So um, there's a family that actually owns, has a controlling interest in Patagonia. So Patagonia's founder, Yvonne Chouinard, and his family announced that they are transferring ownership of the $3 billion outdoor apparel company to a charitable trust that will donate um, future profits at an estimated $100 million a year. They're donating it to fighting climate change. Um, And so uh, this is interesting. The company's website now lists Earth as its owner. Okay. I know. It's just, I found it kind of fascinating. It's very interesting. Um, So the trains are still running. That is good news for train lovers like my son, Matthew, who that's pretty much what he wants to know every day. Did you see a train? And if you saw a train, did you take a video of the train? Um, Well, the trains are still running. The White House uh, early Thursday morning announced an agreement between rail carriers and union leaders um, averting a national rail strike that was threatening to paralyze key parts of the U.S. economy. So with less than 24 hours um, uh, you know, to go in terms of a potential shutdown, um, negotiators were able to reach at least a tentative deal to keep freight trains running and prevent a major disruption to um, America's supply chain, not least of which would have been the Christmas supply chain. So there you go. Um, trains, trains everywhere. Um, Adam Holtz is going to join us next from Focus on the Families Plugged In. We're going to talk about who's going to watch the Queen's funeral 
why so many people might be watching and what we might be watching for. Are you planning to watch? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Adam Holtz is joining us now live from Colorado. Hey, good morning, sir. Good morning, Carmen. How are you? Well, I am well, and um, I just got a note on our text line. Hey, hey, we were expecting a Friday farm report, and we you told us it would oh, be boy. it would be the hunting report. And so, fresh from Ooh. Colorado, uh, there is a cow elk now deceased, oh, yeah. now deceased, headed across the country to my house in Tennessee. So, okay. thank you um, to Colorado for yeah. The elk. For provision. Mm-hmm, for provision. And we will thank God every time we sit down uh, to eat. And um, and she will be tasty. So there you go. What does what does elk taste like? Mm, it tastes like elk. I um No, so it's not gamey at all. I was going to say, is it gamey? It, it that tastes was like my question. very, very lean beef. Like it, the, Interesting. The, yeah, very lean beef. And so, yeah, it's it's delicious. Yeah. So well, yay. So, yeah. So thank you for those of you um, who've been, you know, praying for my sweet husband during his Colorado elk hunting trip. Uh, it was successful. In terms of the other uh, news in the Friday Farm Report, I don't know because I haven't been home all week. So it could be that chickens are sitting on clutches of eggs and well, I will have baby chicks because it's possible nothing got brought in the house. Who knows? I'm, I think that one of the things I miss about being in Colorado, and perhaps I have mentioned this before, having grown up in Iowa you know, you get commercials for Monsanto and all these chemical companies. And, you know, I can name all of the weeds that their products killed, you know, black nightshade and gypsum weed and all that stuff. We don't have those commercials here. So (laughs) the next time you see a Monsanto commercial about killing all the things that kill crops, just, you know, sit back and appreciate that because we don't have that here. All right, let's talk about uh, let's talk about the Queen's funeral, likely to be watched by more than four billion people. I mean, I think that would make it like right the most anticipated and watched event in all of history. Well, it will be a new record. The prior record is three and a half billion people who watched the 1996 Atlanta Olympics opening ceremony. Wow. The thing the thing that I think is interesting about this is. Um, People who watch and study culture have said, as all of our media has sort of fragmented, like we have so many options for what we can potentially watch, that one of the victims, and this in some ways is bad and in some ways is good, I don't know that it's one or the other, is a death of what some people have called the monoculture. And the monoculture is where we had a shared cultural experience, whether it's with movies or music, you could make an assumption that most other people in your culture knew what you were talking about. Well, the monoculture is gone. Um, It's been obliterated by the internet, but this feels like a throwback kind of thing, right? And throwback's probably the right word for a woman who lived to be, what, 96? Is that Mm -hmm. how old she was? Um, That she was a unifying factor in global culture. Um, And, you know, obviously we could discuss specifics of her policies and her influence, but pretty much everybody on earth practically knows who Queen Elizabeth was. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's the passing, I think, of someone who um, really hails from an age that has 
largely gone away in the world that we're living in today. All right. I want to talk with you about some um, movies and and get your, your sense of whether or not we ought to see them. Talk with us about Running the Bases. Running the Bases is a new Christian movie. And as you might have guessed, it's a sports movie. It's not about hockey. It's not about football. It's about baseball. And it's about two brothers who are growing up. They are star baseball players. Uh, and uh, they are pretty much inseparable. It's hard to say what they love more, each other or baseball. And the answer is yes. And then one of them is running the bases and uh, dies suddenly. Uh, and this is like the first five minutes. So it's not a big spoiler warning. Um, and so... The one that's left, his name is Luke. He kind of has to put the pieces back together. And then the other shoe drops that he finds out that his brother had a heart condition that they didn't know about. And it turns out he has it too. And so he can't play the game he loves anymore. Uh, Well, we fast forward 20 years. He has become a successful baseball coach. He is somebody who has a really deep faith. And he always runs the bases in honor of his brother and in honor of God before the game and kneels and says a prayer at home plate. Um, But uh, that gets him in trouble at a new school that he ends up at. They're not really, uh, they're not really interested in his public declaration of faith. Uh, And then it it turns into sort of a, a legal slash cultural battle about whether he's going to have the freedom to do that and whether he's going to have the courage to keep doing it as the consequences mount. So pretty good Christian movie. If you like, Christian movies and you like sports movies, my guess is you will enjoy this one. Hey, so um, Life Mark um, has been extended in theaters another week. Yeah. If, if you guys, if you're listening right now and you haven't had an opportunity yet to uh, get to the theaters and see what was a one-week Fathom event, it's now been extended because so many people went to see it that, you know, it's it's a moneymaker. I well, met Rafael Ruggiero in the hallway yesterday. Oh, How okay. fun is and that? that- that's pretty fun, and he's actually in this new movie too. So, um, the one I was just talking about, running the bases. Really? Well, there you he go. Is, yeah, that's so um, fun. And let me say one other thing about this that I think is significant. So, the Kendrick brothers have a distribution deal with Provident Pictures. That's sort of their home base. Provident is owned by Sony. Sony refused to distribute LifeMark because it was a pro-life movie. Mm. Um, And so the reason that it's a Fathom Events distributed movie is because their own company basically said, no, this is too hot for us to handle. We don't want to get embroiled in a pro-life controversy. And so, you know, another reason to see this movie is just to send a message to Sony. Hey, you know what? There are people out here who embrace and affirm and, you know, really appreciate the strong pro-life message that LifeMark has to deliver. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. You guys can check out the LifeMark movie at lifemarkmovie.com. Pretty sure you can get tickets there. You can check out the reviews we're discussing now and so much more at pluggedin.com. We're going to continue our conversation with Adam Holtz in just a moment. Why do teens like Rolling Stones t-shirts when they can't (laughs) even name one of the Rolling Stones songs? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, 
all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Cause I hear a voice and he calls me every day. When others say I'll never be enough. And greater is the one living inside. Greater is the one living inside of me than the one who is living in the world. Amen, amen, and amen. Adam Holtz is with us. You can find what we're talking about at pluggedin.com. I especially want to send you to the plugged in blog this week where you can read about apps that are designed to help kids get physically active. I particularly enjoyed that read at PluggedIn.com this week. Um, Adam, let's talk about a piece that we've both read in the Wall Street Journal about teenagers and why they like Rolling Stones t-shirts but can't name even one (laughs) of their songs. Well, it gets back to us in some ways what we were talking about with regard to how culture changes. And you know, back in the day, and I suppose it's still true today, it was a mark of status to go to a concert and get a concert t-shirt from your favorite band. Like, I remember growing up in the 80s when everybody would go to a big show and they would all show up with t-shirts the next day. So this whole rock t-shirt thing has been with us a long time, and it started way before I was participating in that. Uh, So we have all of these classic logos from bands like the Rolling Stones. You've got the lips and the tongue sticking out. You've got Iron Maiden and their monstrous sort of oh zombie-looking creature that looks menacing. And, and you can just go down the list of bands that have these iconic logos. Led Zeppelin would be another one. Um, so teens love old stuff because they have this idea that it's kind of cool but they're buying these t-shirts and according to the wall street journal many of them have couldn't name a rolling stone song or a led zeppelin song or a pink floyd song and so in some ways it short it shows how these brands and their visual and the cultural legacy of it has actually transcended fandom in the band itself and so you know the next time you see a 14 year old walking down the street with you know an Iron Maiden T-shirt on, don't assume that that person has ever seen an Iron Maiden concert, and uh, and even more obscure bands, Static X, a uh, metal band called Cannibal Corpse. Like sometimes things can become cool, but in our internet age, it's totally disconnected from the thing that it came from, and you may have kids representing for all these bands, and they have no idea who they actually are, which. I just I think it's an interesting illustration of how culture works, how image works, how branding works. Like if we did a Venn diagram on all the themes in this story, there are a whole bunch of overlapping circles here. Yeah. Um, when I think about the things that uh, teenagers seem to be interested in or um, or give sort of public assent to, they often know very little about it. Yes, that's true. <laughs> I mean, uh, the, true. The, cele- the quote unquote celebrities or influencers that they follow, um, they often actually know very little about those people. Yeah, no, that's right. And, and it's also about a visual thing. It's about image and it's about perception, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen these logos and we have this vague idea that they're connected to something in the past that was cool, but that's where the knowledge stops, even if the logo itself continues to have an afterlife. You know, I think what is 
what is often most important is the superficiality of looking cool, you know, looking like you're in the know. I mean, just go to a Target store and go to the kids' clothing section, and you'll see all of these T-shirts that, you know, Nirvana T-shirts and Guns N' Roses T-shirts. And these are bands from 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, Mm. you know. Uh, But there still is that cultural cachet that some gatekeeper somewhere is saying, we can still make money on this. Um, And as musicians have lost income from actually producing music, that merchandise has also become pretty important for their revenue streams as well, which is a whole nother angle on this story. Interesting. And maybe, you know, the people that are buying the clothes for the kids are people who are fans of those bands or were fans of those bands back in the day. I mean, maybe that's yeah, totally. part of it too. Yeah. Yep. Um, no, all I right. That's in the mix. Hey, let's circle back around. Um, I missed um, the opportunity to ask you about the new Pinocchio. And I yes. think it's important that people know a little bit about this. Again, you can read the full review at pluggedin.com, but Adam Holtz is going to brief us in on Disney Plus's new Pinocchio. Yeah, you know, they have remade Pinocchio. It's a live-action movie. Um, Tom Hanks plays Geppetto, and it's got animation for, you know, the CGI animation for Pinocchio. Um, In many ways, it's a beat-for-beat remake, only with live-action, just like we've seen with the likes of Cinderella or Beauty and the Beast, that sort of thing. What's interesting this time is that with the original 1940 version, you have a sense that... Pinocchio was sort of on a moral journey toward being a real boy. Mm -hmm. And being a real boy required that he do things like stop lying. You know, there were consequences for the choices that he made. And not only him, but other characters in Pinocchio. Like, if you go back and watch Pinocchio now, it kind of feels shocking how harsh some of the things are that happen to characters in the story. But it really, in some ways... um, my coworker Paul Acey has said is the most moralistic of the Disney movies from that era uh, because it says there are consequences for doing the wrong thing. This one starts with Pinocchio basically being good and having to grow into self-acceptance. And so there is a very 21st century, almost therapeutic kind of feel to it that I think gives it a really different vibe. And it's not that self-acceptance is necessarily a bad thing. That's not necessarily a terrible message. You know, most of us wrestle with that on some level, but it's a different movie and a different worldview. And I think it's one that very much reflects our cultural moment where people aren't so much worried about right and wrong, but how we feel about ourselves. And I think that's, that's pretty telling. That's that's really helpful. That's a great analysis. Um, hey, as always, Adam, thank you so much. I want to direct people to PluggedIn.com, both for the reviews and help knowing um, what to help direct our kids to online, on YouTube. Um, great resources there. Check out the blog as well. Adam, thanks so much for being here. You bet. Thank you. Yeah. So um, Rodney Stark is uh, a sociologist uh, with whom I am very familiar. I have appreciated his work. And I love um, the conversation that John Stone Street has this week about Rodney Stark and how he came to faith. So I'm hoping that's what's on this break point. The plot can be hot, simply teeming with sex. A gay divorcee who... I want to wake up, I want to restart, put the drum beat back in my heart. I need to be revived, bring me back to life. 
I'm Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen on the Faith Radio Network. Um, We have our eyes on Ukraine this morning as uh, the Ukrainian forces continue to take back towns, um, communities, cities that had been uh, invaded and taken over by Russia. Um, The devastation of the people in those places, in those liberated cities, um, is heartbreaking, heartbreaking. not only are we seeing communities that are going to need to be, you know, physically rebuilt, but um, the spiritual and um, and other just real traumas that have been um, perpetrated upon the Ukrainian people um, are going to are going to take a generation or more to overcome. Hundreds of graves have been found outside Yizim. Uh, I may be mispronouncing that. Uh, days after the town was retaken from Russia. Wooden crosses, most of them marked simply with numbers, were discovered in a forest outside of the town um, as the Ukrainian forces advanced. And authorities um, are now going to begin exhuming those graves today. It's not clear what happened to the victims, um, but accounts um, from some locals suggest that some of these people died from shelling, others from lack of access to health care. Um, and some of the graves belong to Ukrainian soldiers who were killed in the offensive. And so that is what is happening on the ground in Ukraine, at least in one region today. Uh, President Volodymyr Zelensky has said, um, you know, today the, quote, necessary procedural actions will begin, which is the exhumation of these bodies. And then he says, we want the world to know what is really happening and what the Russian occupation has led to. Buka, Mariupol, and now, unfortunately, Isium, Russia leaves death everywhere and must be held accountable for this. Sergei, Sergei Rakuba is from Mission Eurasia. He's going to join us next with news from the front lines of how our Christian brothers and sisters are responding on the ground to the needs of the Ukrainian people. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. hard to imagine that we've now been talking for much more than six months about um, an invasion of Ukraine by Russian forces. We are now seeing the counteroffensive underway with success of the liberation of some of uh, the towns of Ukraine. Joining us now, Sergei Rahuba from Mission Eurasia. We're going to talk about uh, how Christians are responding within Ukraine. We're also going to talk about how Mission Eurasia is serving uh, Christians in Poland through the church there and equipping Ukrainians um, as well. So, Sergei, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you, Carmen. You know, it's a privilege, you know, an honor, you know, to have an opportunity to share about Mission Eurasia Ministry and what's happening now in Ukraine and the ground. Yeah, thank you so much. I hope that um, you feel and sense our prayers and our genuine desire um, to to be with you um, by the power of the Spirit and cert- certainly through resources necessary to um, advance what you're doing. Talk with us about Mission Eurasia right now, rushing help to the people of, of Kharkiv and elsewhere. Yeah, thank you so much, Carwin. Yes, we're so grateful for the prayers, for such a faithful, uh, generous support that uh, uh, Christians here in America provide for us, enabling us to deliver so much needed help uh, to so many displaced and refugees. They report that there is over 
16,000 displaced people in Ukraine. That's including those who stay in the country and those who cross the border into neighboring countries. And 50% of the number they estimate are, ch are children. And uh, uh, so that's what, I mean, Mission Eurasia is focused on helping these refugees, this uh, displaced people to feel that they're not abandoned, you know, in the midst of this suffering, this crisis, so that there is a global Christian family that cares for them, prays for them, but also provides support. As we speak now, our teams uh, are there farther uh, east of Ukraine, near Kharkiv, Izum, Balakleya, near uh, Nikolaev, Kherson. That's, uh, you know, the area was recently, because of the counteroffensive, successful counteroffensive of the Ukrainian army, uh, these territories were liberated. And I'm getting reports on daily, basically hourly basis. They report us what's happening there how people who are liberated in those villages, you know, are uh, excited, you know, so they're just thrilled, you know, they're so happy uh, to see so that the army is liberating their villages, but mostly they see that behind the army, humanitarian workers, national volunteers, and that's, you know, so basically all the young force of the evangelical church in Ukraine are delivering so much needed help. I just heard the story. You know, so that if one of those villages, uh, the uh, village of Nova Matveyevska, it's a long name, Carmen, I'm sorry, I know how to remember or pronounce, <laughs> but this village will be remembered. Uh, you know, the village was liberated after six weeks, Russian forces, you know, were holding that village. But, you know, I don't know how much a Russian army supplies provision for their soldiers. They give them lots of ammunition, deadly force, you know, to kill innocent people, but apparently they don't feed their soldiers. So that village was known as a, uh, you know, well-successful, you know, farming uh, community where they raised cattle, they sell that cattle, and that's how they were sustaining their lives. Russian soldiers in those six weeks slaughtered all the cattle was there in that village mm. because they were hungry. It means the villagers, you know, began starving. So when the Russian uh, uh, forces, uh, you know, retreated, the Ru Ukrainian army came in, and after the army, our trucks marked like "I care," and we come in the name of Jesus, and they are trucks delivered food. Denise, our director in that area, he reports, Sergey, I could not hold my tears. Mm. Villagers were running with arms spread toward our trucks. They were falling, kneeling on the ground, thanking God for the help that arrived on time. One of our uh, workers uh, so, who saw that, you know, and they were about, you know, after they distributed all the food, they spent time with the villagers, they prayed with them, encouraged them, and they were about to leave, go back, you know, to get more food and bring again. He says, guys, I'm staying here. Mm. I cannot leave them. We're talking with um, Sergei Rakuba. Uh, he serves with Mission Eurasia. You can find Mission Eurasia online at missioneurasia.org. Sergey, um, I can't hold back my tears either. Um, thank you so much for taking us uh, you know, to the front lines with our brothers and sisters in Christ, arriving as you describe, um, you know, with with what people need. 
um, in terms of material support. They're going to need support for a long time. Talk with us about um, the rebuilding uh, that's going to be required of the Ukrainian church and certainly of communities as well. Can you give us any sense of that? I know it's early, but can you give us a sense of that? Absolutely. You know, thank you, Carmen. The evangelical church, overall, the church community in Ukraine, and now it seems like, you know, so the uh, cross-denominational <laughs> lines, you know, so they even, uh, you know, kind of wiped out now because, you know, everybody realizes in Ukraine now so that the church is the most powerful network that on a volunteer basis you know, provides all the help that the community needs. The government recognizes this, that this is most trustworthy, the most reliable, you know, more compassionate, uh, you know, so network that helps uh, the community, helps the nation uh, in a spiritual way, but also that's the network that uh, channels all the humanitarian uh, help to all those uh, communities that uh, suffer uh, there. But the church gets ex- exhausted, exhausted, uh, um, uh, I would say, emotionally. You know, so the pastors who lost many of their members, you know, in their congregations or in so many cases, half of the congregation, you know, would just uh, flee or find a more fa- safer place in the western parts of Ukraine or abroad. So these pastors, you know, so they now provide um uh, their spiritual leadership, not just for those remaining in their congregations, but their entire communities. And that's what people are in those suffering communities are kind of cleaning on. And we witness a lot, you know, so that during the war, you know, so war is the most challenging, difficult time uh, to witness, uh, uh, you know, to people in wards. But that's when the church is serving bringing the gospel in a very practical way. They offer witness, they pray for people, but they also help them with their material needs. You know, and the food shortage is an unbelievable, unbelievable uh, need there. So Mission Eurasia, working with the National Church and through uh, multiple locations where we have this food distribution places based on local churches, we deliver food packages to families that are trapped in this situation or they're displaced, they're in a different place. They don't have, you know, much in their temporary shelter. And that's where Mission Eurasia, supported by uh, faithful believers here in America, uh, offers food, you know, to all these families. We raise uh, funds, you know, to provide food uh, for Ukrainian uh, refugees we ask people to give us $50 to provide one food package for a family of four or five for an entire week. And each food package uh, includes not just food for their bodies, but also includes a copy of scripture, a Bible, or age-appropriate children's uh, copy of literature. And as of this week, we already delivered 125,000 of these family food packages mm. across you know, where the uh, need is in Ukraine during this war. Amazing. So we're so grateful for this partnership. Yeah. And, you know, without the faithful support of people like your listeners, Carmen, you know, we would not be able uh, to do this. And I'm so grateful to everyone who've contributed uh, to this uh, ministry. Sergey, we want to continue our conversation with you in just a moment, but I want to um, remind people 
of the website, missioneurasia.org. When we come back, Sergey's going to share with us about the School Without Walls program. It's a discipleship, evangelism, and ministry training program for Ukrainian Christians who are currently living in Poland. Um, the program is going to start up in um, host Polish churches in October, and we want to learn more about it. Sergey Rakuba is going to continue here um, with us. And then I'm also going to ask you, Sergey, so it doesn't come as a surprise. Um, we know we have a few listeners in Ukraine, particularly in the city of Odessa. And so before we part ways today, I want um, to invite you to pray in Ukrainian for them so that they can um, they can hear us speaking to them in their heart language. Would you do that for us when we come back? Uh, you know, we will, you know, Carmen, but I will text you. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, okay. Okay. We will be, um, we will be right back. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge and this is Faith Radio. Thanks so much for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Hey, I'm Susie Larson. Hey, if you enjoy what you're listening to here, would you consider subscribing to other great Faith Radio podcasts like mine? Search Susie Larson Live at myfaithradio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit subscribe and have a great day. Continuing our conversation with uh, Sergey Ruhoba, Rahuba. Sorry, Sergey. I knew I was going to mess it up. I knew oh, I was. Listen, I'm used to this, Carmen. I, know, so that's. <laughs> so Sergey okay. serves with Mission Eurasia. We're encouraging you uh, to visit with them online and support them as the Lord leads. Mission Eurasia. Dot O-R-G. Sergey, um, tell us about this exciting new program, School Without Walls. Okay, uh, Carmen, School Without Walls, we started this program over 12 years ago. It was piloted in Ukraine and spread throughout Ukraine and then through all over the Eurasia or the countries of the former Soviet Union. And the main focus of this program to reach out to the younger generation when they're still making their decisions for their lives, what to do, you know, so after they finish their high school, you know, they're in college or so. And that's when we want to grab their attention and help them uh, to discover that God had granted them gifts, you know, so that need to be used in the kingdom. And uh, uh, so that's when it's a non-formal training program. It's not, you know, kind of campus, you know, academic uh, everyday schedule, you know, classroom. And so this is more discipleship, training, uh, equipping and empowering the next generation for the ministry uh, with the evangelical church. And why School Without Walls? We want these young people not to consider just ministering within the walls of their local church or their church community. We want them to help the local church to break all the invisible walls of whatever there could be fear, other reasons, but to get outside into a local needy community and bring the gospel, uh, witnessing them, but also find the deepest, biggest need and help to solve that need by bringing the gospel and serving them in a very practical way. So in the last 12 years, we've trained over 20,000 in 14 countries in the former Soviet Union. Before the war broke out, we had 90 training centers, locations, and 17 of them were in Ukraine. So our main center in Irpin, you remember that city, famous you know, town uh, near Kyiv, was attacked by Russians. Our center 
was totally destroyed uh, by the Russian force. But it, we will get shaken, but we are not broken. We continue serving. And these young people we've trained, they became the main force that find themselves on the front line of this crisis, bringing so much needed help, bringing the gospel in a very practical way to those who are in need. Many of these young people, they find themselves in Poland now as refugees, either with their families or whatever, you know, so the circumstances. And we realize the need is in Poland, where there are about 4 million Ukrainian refugees now. The need is enormous in reaching them, helping them to find hope, find comfort in Jesus. But ultimately, we want to plant churches among these refugees. And we're starting this program now in three different locations, in Krakow, in Gdansk, and Warsaw, where we will be training roughly about 100 next-generation leaders. This is young people somewhere between 20, 25, so that uh, they will be trained, they will be equipped, and using all the gifts God had given them and resources, we as international Christian community provide, you know, into their hands, they will be reaching an, a, a large number of refugees with the gospel and ultimately uh, equipping the church to grow in a new place. So war is terrible. You know, there's so much tragedy, but God is using this war in order to spread the gospel more in effective, powerful way when new people find hope in him because of these leaders that take the torch and bring the gospel to them where they are. Yeah, I love, um, Sergei, uh, a number of things that you've said in our time together today that just bear such positive witness to uh, the things that God is doing, even in the midst of what, you know, others mean for evil. God is working some extraordinary good. I, I loved I loved the way you described earlier how, um, you know, in the midst of the war, uh, all the barriers between, you know, Christian denominations have really been brought low. And what we have together in Christ, uh, you know, it, it is so much more meaningful than the things that divide us. And uh, and that it's really been the church that has come together as the most reliable, compassionate network that exists in Ukraine. And that, you know, it's, it's through this Christian network that um, humanitarian aid is being channeled. Um, it's just, that's so... Um, that is so encouraging. It's like God's getting his witness. When you talk about pastors who, you know, obviously stayed behind when their members left, um, and those those pastors are now serving the people, whoever they are throughout the community and um, supplying leadership for entire communities of suffering individuals. And it's just, you know, God's winning himself a witness in the midst of it, um, and the gospel's being proclaimed in these very practical and material ways, as you have described. And then uh, Mission Eurasia using this incredible opportunity. I mean, you know, God has brought people across an international border um, and they don't have things to do every day. And and yet there is then this opportunity for a, a new generation of Christians to be trained, to be discipled, to be equipped, to then move forward out into the world that God so loves and to spread the gospel in the midst of a new generation. Uh, it's just, um, 
it really is extraordinary. And we, so we want to celebrate with you the good things that God is doing. Um, and we also want to recognize the tremendous suffering of the people of Ukraine and just how much work lies ahead for all of us globally um, when it comes time to genuinely rebuild. So, Sergey, would you... Um, I know that it will be in Russian uh, because uh, Elena, who lives in Odessa, that is her heart language. And so would you just, we know we have one listener in Odessa, Ukraine. And so I just thought it would be so precious for her to hear uh, a prayer this morning, lifting her up. And um, and as we lift up Elena in prayer, uh, the Lord will hear our prayers for, for all others. Would you do that, Sergey? Absolutely, Carmen. I'm happy to do this, to pray for Elena in Odessa. Алена, добрый, добрый вечер. Я знаю, что сейчас вечер в Одессе. Я хочу вас помолиться, и чтобы Господь окружил вас своей заботой, своим присутствием. Господь Иисус, я обращаюсь к Тебе в этот час. В этот час тревоги, час кризиса, час, когда многие в страхе ищут, ищут благополучное место ищут защиту, Господь. Ты основная защита. Ты надежда, Господь. Ты являешься источником нашего благополучия. Поэтому я приношу к Тебе мою сестру Алену, Алену, которая ищет помощи в Тебе, Господь. И многих других, таких как Алена в Одессе и во всем регионе, во всей стране. Поэтому храни их, Господь, в руке своей. Наполни своим присутствием Дай надежду, Господь, реши их нужды. Господь, я прошу Тебя, пошли все, что в чем они нуждаются. И все это прошу во имя Твое. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Sergey, um, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Please extend our greetings, our affection, um, our gratitude to your brothers and sisters serving in Mission Eurasia um, across the former Soviet nations, and particularly those who are serving refugees from Ukraine and those who are serving in Ukraine today. Um, we are with you and we are for you. If you're listening right now and you're able to do so, missioneurasia.org is where you uh, want to direct your support. Thank you, Sergey, so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Carmen. Absolutely. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Okay, I just love that. And um, Sergey was like, hey, are we done? Because I have more stories to tell. So Sergey will be back to tell us more stories. We'll get them. Uh, But we don't have any more time today. Um, So just a reminder, uh, just a reminder today. There's there's such great power in even the smallest acts of kindness. Um, And so how about each and every one of us looks for an opportunity today to bless someone? Um, Maybe bless them with a smile. Maybe bless them with uh, holding open a door or helping them with uh, a burden that they're bearing. Maybe uh, it is a gracious act of prayer, coming alongside someone who you know is hurting. Maybe God just brought someone to mind and you could reach out to them with a text message or a phone call and just say, hey, God brought you to mind. I just want to remind you that you're loved, you're seen. Um, I'm thinking about you. I'm lifting you up today. Um, Small acts of kindness today have really, really great power Let's be uh, directing our love outwardly today, being conduits of God's grace and mercy to others. Thank you so much again for your participation in the fall fundraiser. 
I love you. Have a great weekend. God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.